Welcome to Fable and the Verbivore. I'm Fable, Beth Stedman. I'm the Verbivore, Laura Johnson. And this is a podcast for writers who love to read. Readers who love to write. And anyone who loves words. So today we are talking about sci-fi books, which we're both excited about. And sci- we've talked about a couple different genres in the past. We've talked about romance novels. We've talked about mystery and thrillers and and now we're talking about sci-fi, and this is um, a genre that, for myself at least, Laura, like I feel like I've just started to explore this genre more, and it's been so fun because it feels it feels really broad or broader than you would think it would be. Yes, <laughs> it it absolutely is. And do you mind if we talk about kind of where? Because we're going to be talking a lot of things that squish and kind of go back and forth. Yes, and those lines re- blur sometimes. Speculative, kind of over arches all the things that we're talking about mm-hmm. but science fiction is a specific part of speculative yeah. it can sometimes blend in a little with fantasy and we'll be talking later about how those two things sometimes kind of can play yeah. <laughs> a little bit but it really is speculative and then you can have like venn diagrams of things crossing yes. over into each other but science fiction pinning it down can be squishy, complicated. Sure. I watched, um, James Cameron has this great special. It's like four hours of interviews and going through basically the story of science fiction. Oh, interesting. He had six categories that I really liked. And we'll, we'll go into those in just a second. But what I think of when I think of science fiction is it asks questions of us. Like it really asks big questions. Where are we going? Where have we come from? Who are we? Um, What is it that we're doing and how will that impact us down the road? Are we alone? Are we alone in this universe? The context allows us to though explore those in a relatively safe almost fanciful it's it is yeah it doesn't feel as overwhelming as like <laughs> this is real life yeah. if, if it was contemporary i think it wouldn't be as accessible and i think that's what i like about science fiction because for me science mm-hmm. fiction i remember i remember watching like the flight of the navigator when i was a little kid yeah. and that movie even though i've tried to watch it since and it doesn't really have the same thing like it blew my mind when i was little and i i think it just asks what's possible like what Mm -hmm. is what is our limitations and what do our choices now how will that impact who we become and how will that impact what we go on to do Uh uh-huh that's such an interesting definition i haven't really thought about it that way i feel like i generally I don't know that I know a definition of like what is sci-fi or that I could define it for you. I just feel like I will read a book and I'll be like, yes. oh yeah, that kind of fits in that sci-fi category. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, and we will talk the specific definitions of it again yeah. later, but I liked keeping it open to those, those Broader areas. ideas. Yeah. yeah. Because then once we start to try to pin down what speculative like, sections are, I think it will help us kind yeah. of, with that conversation but <laughs> do we want to talk about those six categories because I think yes yeah I was might... just gonna ask so the six categories from James Cameron's story of science fiction and I think 
we can talk about them and then go into them. Yeah. Um, one of them was dark futures. And that really kind of connects with a lot of dystopian. Yeah, you know, everything just... dystopian is science fiction, but a lot of it can be, mm-hmm. and a lot of it crosses over. Handmaid's Tale is one that came up. Yeah. Um, and what's interesting is when Margaret Atwood um, talks about The Handmaid's Tale, she says that she didn't put in anything into it that hasn't happened previously. Mm-hmm. It was yeah, it's a dark future, but it's a dark future that humans have already showed that they were capable of yeah. doing to one another. And I think in many ways that makes it a lot more grim. Uh, yeah. It makes it a lot more horrifying, <laughs> horrifying absolutely, yeah. and scary, really, mm-hmm. to contemplate what are we capable of. And I think giving us that again, that fictitious future mm-hmm. with which to have the discussion now. Um, yeah. Hunger Games is actually, and I love that like every single episode recently I brought up Hunger Games, but <laughs> it's true because what she did, what Susan Collins did is she was watching TV and she was going back and forth and there was coverage of a war on one channel and a reality TV show of a... Um, mm basically a competition and those two blended in her mind and she could mm. see a potential where that could be the reality tv of the future i think looking at that to see what are we moving towards and yeah. what are we moving away from yeah um, i think it was ursula um McGuen who said that science fiction authors they aren't fortune tellers they don't tell the future sure. they extrapolate it from what we're already seeing mm-hmm. and I think contemplating that direction of where we could go can help us ask the questions that we need to to avoid yeah. that future yeah potentially the next one is well this is kind of huge but aliens yes <laughs> Um, I love that in the Aliens episode, they covered everything from E.T. to Close Encounters of the Third Kind, both of them very optimistic in their view of Mm -hmm. alternate life. They also covered Independence Day and and Alien Proper, which is also kind of a monster one as well. But also, um, have you ever seen the movie Arrival? Um, I don't think so. It's this great question of who are these aliens? And Mm -hmm. it's the uncertainty and the inability to communicate that brings all the tension there. It is a fascinating exploration of what assumptions we bring. Mm -hmm. And so it kind of sits with you don't know what their intentions are. And throughout the course of it, they have to figure out how to communicate, how to basically sure. build a common language between them. It's a really fascinating look at how we communicate with one another and how we, what we would bring to a yeah. conversation with another life form. I think it also, stories like that can explore how do we interact with each other and what assumptions do we make about each other? And yeah. I think that having like that mirror 
to ourselves can be fascinating. Yeah, those alien stories, I feel like also kind of explore this, like just a lot about culture and a lot about sociology often. And, you know, like left-handed yeah. darkness comes to mind or Octavia Absolutely. Butler's, um, what is it, Dawn maybe? Or um, I can't remember the name of that series. The, she has a, the seeds. No, it's a different, it, she has a series about these aliens that essentially like kidnap these women from earth and, or like kind of take over earth and try to repopulate it with like a mixed breed. Um, but it's a fascinating, like a lot of those types of stories are really interesting yes. looks at both sociology and psychology. And I really love just how they look at culture and the, in the differences and how thing, how we make assumptions about what culture is or what people are, or things like that. Absolutely. And I, I love how um, the left hand of darkness looks at gender and yeah. our assumptions about that. And it actually comes out from a very, it's, it's written almost from an androgynous perspective, yeah. Yeah. which we don't see. Like it blew my mind because of how yeah. that was written, described, and how it almost took that out of the equation of the interactions um, yes. with the aliens and, and how confusion could happen because of those that lack of kind of gender stereotyped assumptions, knowledge. It means that there's, you're not on the same ground. So communication yeah. does get confusing. I loved how that explored totally. that element. And, and again, in a relatively safe, you're in a, you're on a different planet. So right. <laughs> like grapple with it in a and you can grapple with it because there aren't those boundaries that we normally have. You can kind Absolutely. of expand things to include anything as far as your imagination can take you. And um, and the reader's willing to go with you to those far off places because that's what yes. they expect from sci-fi. Well, and I don't know, have you seen District 9? Um, mm -hmm. It's this very interesting science fiction film that actually looks at refugee crises. But it puts it into an alien context. And it was interesting yeah. From when all of a sudden you it clicks and you you realize where the you could extrapolate that to and how uh -huh. you could apply it to how we see people who are different people sure. groups, how we see um, basically someone that we don't relate to directly. And it's a fascinating look at actually a character that goes from being an oppressor to the oppressed. Hmm. You see this gradual change over, um, I don't want to give up too much away of the actual plot, but it's a fascinating exploration. And it, I'd highly recommend it. It's a difficult one to sit through, but hmm. um, yeah, it's a really good, grapply, yeah. <laughs> sitting with the discomfort of, of all of that, hmm. look at it. Hmm. Okay, what's our next category? Yep. Uh, so next one is space. Yeah. <laughs> <Yay>. <laughs> Another really broad one. <laughs> Anything that is space, which what what's great is it's just mm. you recontextualize it to yeah. explorations in space, to yeah. going to another planet, which again some of these can cross, cross into with like, aliens or yeah, <laughs> takes place in space. I really connect with space. Obviously, you have your Star Treks and your sure. Star Wars. And what I love about Star Trek is they cover so many human problems yes. within the context of space. Also, I love the view of it's both a future and, and a rather optimistic future yeah. in some ways. Um, you know, it's not perfect from a story 
perspective mm-hmm. and they don't always treat each other well <laughs> but but even the diversity within the cast that yeah. um was developed that Jean Ronberry wrote and put out there I think shows an optimism even from the time frame in which it was written and then the explorations that they've done from when it was originally put out there to you know all the movies looking at so many human problems but contextualizing yeah. them in in space kind of allows us to sit with it i know for me that especially the next generation was really yeah. powerful and important yeah me too this is a big part of my childhood <laughs> well and some of those like episodes actually got very emotional um, yeah with the different things that they would touch on and even realizing what the point was. I love Data's, the aspects of who he is as a character because it allows us to explore the differences with humanity versus a machine mm-hmm. and kind of sit with the discomfort there. There's yeah. a point where Data actually gets an emotion chip and you get to sit with that even more. <laughs> like, yeah. And I think grappling with that giving something that fantastical in space can be just so beautiful, interesting. You can make up yeah. whatever you want. You can really um, go so many different places, so many different directions with your characters. And I think that the the vastness of that, for me especially, was always just a great pull into those stories. Yeah. Um, which... Mm-hmm. Some of them, again, can cross into other aspects of science fiction, but I think sometimes that wonder aspect, leaning into mm-hmm. it, mm-hmm. of just what's out there, what's possible, yeah. have just a really beautiful and interesting sense of awe connected yeah. with it. For sure. Okay, what's the next one? Yes. Um, <laughs> monsters. <laughs> um, which, it's interesting. It's a very I, broad I, category. Yeah. Um, and it's... It doesn't mean that every single monster film is, sure. is science fiction, but a lot of them are. And, you know, starting mm-hmm. from Frankenstein, um, which really was kind of that oh, interesting. originator. I would consider Frankenstein horror, but yeah, I guess you're right. It crosses into science fiction. And then, Absolutely. Yeah, that's interesting. Because it is man- the monster is man-made. Yeah. And what's interesting is really the villain of the story is really Dr. Frankenstein, who right. takes zero responsibility for his creation his creation is alone, expresses a need to have someone like him. Yeah. And he abandons his creation. <laughs> and I think, I think exploring that, the ways in which we kind of don't take responsibility for that and the time in which it was being written was very much a time of lots of scientific exploration and looking at the consequences. We've talked about Jurassic Park, which we can talk about where it lands in this, but I'd say I think it's science fiction in that it looks at things that could then be construed as what it is we create and don't take responsibility for, what it, it is we put out in the world. In watching this special, they actually were talking about Godzilla, and how Godzilla was an exploration of the nuclear age and the nuclear bomb being bombs being dropped on Hiroshima 
and Nagasaki. Uh And I think having those stories to be able to grapple with the horror Hmm. of something or to be able to grapple with the things where we don't explore the responsibility we have or the legacy that we've left or what it is that we have as human beings collectively or culturally or individually have done within this world. Um, Being able to have those stories to actually sit with that painful awkwardness um, is so important. Uh, yeah. so valuable. And if it takes that type of a arm's length distance from it to grapple with that, I think that that has a lot of power to it to be able to kind of sit with and to look at. Um, it, it's interesting how new Godzilla's has a, have actually taken that story and shown different elements of it, just like Mm. different um, stories about zombies could potentially be looking at the ways in which we don't challenge or we follow kind of messages that have been put out there for us rather than, you know, it it also kind of mirrors that sleeping versus being awake. Yeah. Um, So it's kind of interesting to look at all that kind of complexity, that potential to take very difficult things and explore them. <laughs> or you can go in a completely different way and do something like Pacific Rim, um, which is both machines and monsters fighting each other. And I think looking at it as these stories have the ability to go kind of all these different ways. You yeah. can go into the, the depth of that emotion or you can show something that is larger than life that's a bunch of machines fighting giant monsters that are just interesting fun and explorations of the fantastic and and all of that there's room for all of that yeah Um, the next one is ai which i've always found fascinating and that kind of connects back with as we're talking about data um i really enjoyed the idea of droids yeah. in, you know, R2-D2, C-3PO. But droids, robots can really explore, again, similar to how we interact with aliens. It can also potentially show, like, dynamics where power mm. is skewed, where yeah. there is a power difference, uh, differential between them. And I think that's, again, a safe place to really look at power dynamics and power shifts and the Animatrix does an amazing job of taking historical situations, horrifying mm-hmm. ones, and setting androids within that context, and then having us sit with kind of them yet again with with how we interact with technology. Um, yeah. Have you read and, Illuminati by um, Amy Kaufman? I and haven't Chris- yet. Yeah, you should. It's good. Yeah. But, it's, <laughs> but it kind of explores some AI stuff and some um, and definitely some power dynamics in, in various different different ways. Have you read Philip K. Dick's um, Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep or Seen Blade yeah. Runner? Both of those, the story, um, the book, 
it explores the the difference between basically what makes us human what are those elements are defining of humanity versus something that can be created and sitting with that discomfort of if we look the same act the same talk the same all things being the same what is it that uh-huh. makes us uniquely human it's a very interesting exploration um the movie i think to a lesser degree explores it but it talks about empathy and about mm-hmm. kind of obviously that ability to dream that ability to have that spark of creativity that mm-hmm. is undefinable and and really possibly unreplicable mm-hmm. um but also like that ability to see something else outside of ourselves and mm-hmm. to relate i think and i think looking at what makes us human and what makes humanity different than yeah. just machines it it has that power for us to maybe look within hmm. and refine that thing reconnect with the thing sure. that hopefully is within us his stuff goes really deep it's not hmm. a happy book um and it really yeah. looks at a dystopian where we have kind of destroyed a bunch of the world and mm. so i think sitting with that can can be powerful too which i think is probably kind of common in sci-fi right like that looking at the darker sides of humanity seems a little bit common but but because there is that distance and that removal from our everyday it's almost like we can handle it i think so too i mean it's it's obviously very personal mm-hmm. <laughs> when we talk about our own value even from a universal perspective i do think having that that separation allows for us to kind of have the the feelings of it seep in even yeah. if even if we don't let it even go outside of our subconscious like we sure. still are grappling with it yeah is there one more or yes there's uh time travel so uh, <laughs> doctor who <laughs> yes which i won they had peter capaldi on this and i was i was really glad to see him there but doctor mm-hmm. who is one of those that i think they let him go everywhere which is awesome like he mm-hmm. can go into space he can go into the future he can go into the past and looking at that what has gone before mm-hmm. who we've been um even if it's not directly you know us that like sure. who human beings have been yeah learning from the past not repeating the mistakes of the past learn like looking to the future you can go so many different places which just like an episode of doctor who you don't know what's going to happen like yeah. you don't know where it's going to travel to but you know that they're going to say something and you know that they're going to explore like the breadth and depth of human emotion and possibility yeah. back to the future falls within that the sure. classic the time machine which um by hg wells mm-hmm. have you, know, you read it yes have, okay have i you? tried to read it and i couldn't finish it yeah. <laughs> perfect it. as it is and yeah. i i read it in college and so okay. i i look back into my college reading days thinking like <laughs> there are some things that i read that i'm like how did that happen and how did i stick with it 
it is a slow and very slow. Yeah. yeah, and odd book by today's standards. Mm-hmm. I think what's interesting is really how it looks at the future, how it, yeah. it explores power dynamics. Yeah. Um, I think he was writing from a, such a very specific viewpoint that maybe what he saw as the future isn't really hugely useful, but I think the mechanism that he set into place mm-hmm. for exploring that is fascinating. Mm-hmm. Um, and really, time travel is a fairly new concept for storytelling, and time loops are really like connected to that. We can sure. say that that is just traveling back through time over and over again, um, potentially, maybe in a closed loop so that you can't impact things as much uh-huh. as with time travel, because um, usually there's lots of rules in addition to mechanism. Yes. I think just as we talk about science fiction, it's kind of a bunch of different ways and tools in which we can look at life and the human condition and experience. You don't have to experience it in a specific way. It's open to you. It's all Mm -hmm. open to you. And you can do weird and crazy things. Um, Interstellar, I, I love Christopher Nolan. He is one of my favorite kind of writer directors. Um, he's the one who wrote Memento, which plays mm-hmm. with memory, yeah. um, which I've always found fascinating. But he he has Interstellar, which actually links time travel with physics and the yeah. unknowableness of kind of black holes and what happens with time in a black hole, which is fascinating. And then his very ex- kind of exploratory, experimental tenet actually goes back and forth in time. He plays with time as if it can be kind of go forward, but also go backwards, which physicists say that, you know, you can fold time, (laughs) you can compress it, you can, you know, stretch it out, but you can't go backwards. Mm -hmm. But it's always fascinating to like then suspend that. Sure. I, I think... If we look to science fiction, really, it doesn't have to be completely scientific. It doesn't have to be completely possible. There can be elements in it that take those leaps. It's that grounding in some form of technology and some form of rules that kind of tie it back down to science fiction versus fantasy. Yeah, which is what we're going to be talking about next week. (laughs) So join us then, and we will dive more into the distinctions between science fiction and fantasy or um, kind of that science technology side and this magic side. So thank you all for joining us today and our little overview of some categories of um, science fiction or some of the elements that you often see in science fiction. We hope it was helpful and fun and that we would love for you to um, hop on Instagram, connect with us and share some of your favorite science fiction books or movies as we've definitely touched on a lot of movies today. And um, yeah, join us again next week for, for more. We hope you keep reading, keep writing and keep putting your work out into the world. 